Hello everybody and welcome to Cabaret Secrets. This is Gary Williams and today we're joined by a real star of British comedy, Tom O'Connor. Thanks for joining us, Tom. Pleasure, Gary, and you look well. Uh, thank you. I'm trying, trying to just kind of keep up with you. Oh. I'm in good health now. I had a touch of cancer, as they say, <laughs> some time back and uh, they managed to find it, take it out and thank God, no repercussions, so I'm happy. And the last time I saw you work, you were on stage for an hour and a, nearly an hour and a quarter, twice in one night. Yeah. Well, yeah, so I just had, I thought that was the comback. <laughs> I'd, uh, I'd done three venues uh, an hour apiece, but I'd never done two hours on the same night till, the, till you saw me, and uh, it worked. It's okay. It's a lot of jokes. It's a lot of jokes on one-liners, and I, well, I, I try to work quickly, as you know. Um, and the ten, then you don't get hecklers, you see, if you work too, too quick for them. That's one of the tips I give to people. One of them is, you know, talk as fast as it necessary to shut the crowd up. <laughs> Secondly, never let children be away from their children, their parents when you're on. You go to Butlins, you've got like a thousand kids on the dance floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I said to Butlins, well, what, what about the noise? He said, well, we've got two red coats. I said, two red coats, it's a thousand kids. I said, put them back at their own tables. Then if they make a noise, the next table says, hey, shut that kid up, you see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, these are things you learn as you go along. <laughs> The people that are listening to this are singers like me who want to try and incorporate a little bit of humour, some comedy, into their acts. They're not comedians, they'll never be comedians, but they just want to line it up a little bit rather than just saying, thank you very much, this is a song that was written in 1962 or was a hit. They want to say a few little lines, a few little icebreaker lines. Uh, but they don't really know where to start, if they're going to get it right, they're scared of getting it wrong. Do you think anyone can tell a joke? Uh, and one liner for sure. Uh, to actually tell a story is, is very difficult to, uh, to present it to every kind of audience. It's, it's twice as hard. But in terms of a singer announcing things, I worked years ago with a, a group called the Don Charles Duo, and their, their frontman was a really good talk. But he never spoke for more than like a sentence and a bit. So you'd come out of a Sonata number and you'd say, he'd say Was he a great Sonata? Because I knew him very well. Just coming out, pub, blah, 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 and then on to the next one. And so you, uh, in terms of being a singer, telling gags, don't try and overcook it. Take it nice and easy, do little bits. If they work, stick a bit more on the end of it. Uh, but generally, generally speaking, you know, don't try and become a comedian. That's just it's the worst way, it's the kiss of death. And you, in terms of telling stories as opposed to jokes, you can get away with the story even if they've heard it. If you tell a set piece gag and they've heard it, forget it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So you've got to be very careful with your choice of material. I mean, I, I would suggest young singers go out and have a look at some of the, the bigger names if you can afford to pay to see them. Uh, you know, uh, I, I'm sorry we've lost the Sonata here because you could have gone and seen them in Vegas and you learned an awful lot in one night, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shall I tell you a true story? Please. I was in Las Vegas uh, and I was doing a deal to work at the, uh, the Thunderbird Hotel and Tom Jones was at the uh, Caesars Palace and his son rang me up and said, can you come and give me dad a tip on his act? I'm going to talk to Tom Jones. So I went in and I sat at the back and I watched him. He came on, it's the worst thing for a singer or a comic, you come on to a standard ovation, you can't follow that, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He came on, I'm sorry, the ladder, I just couldn't take any more. Nicholas yeah. yeah. And then it all went quiet. Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, nice to be back in Las Vegas. And uh, you look a great audience. Where are you from, sir? Ohio, Ohio, a great part of the world. Are you, sir? Iowa, Iowa, that like that. He wants to do a Texas joke, and he could spend all night going around that room. <laughs> He's looking for someone from Texas. I said, Tom, just say, <laughs> anyone in from Texas, some prep will shout yes. yes. And if they don't, you go, yeah, at the back, yeah, okay, here's the joke. That's what you do. 
So if nobody was from Texas, just pretend it's, and then do the gag. Do the gag. I mean, he could still be on there, couldn't he? Arkansas, <laughs> Arkansas, yeah. <laughs> so you were Tom Jones's act doctor. Uh, yes, I, you know, I, thought I, get, night. I thought I'd get a drink. I got nothing. No, thank it's you. not true. That's true. I've got to thank you, I think. <laughs> I, <laughs> I always find some kind of self-effacing humour works. I always try and start off with, you know, good evening and a welcome, and then I'll say something that's having a little gentle knock at myself because I, I, it, it makes them laugh, but it's not having to go at anybody else but me. Yeah. I used to have a very fast play on. Uh, and I realised that the trouble with that is you, by the time you get to the mic, you're there so quickly that you've got to tell the first gag really quickly to keep, to keep everyone's attention. Now I have Georgia on my mind. And what I'm walking on, it gives the audience time to say, he's taller than I thought, isn't he grey? Yes, yes, I thought yes. he was dead. Yes. There's all those lines. before you, And then you, you've, you've done all that, now you can say, good evening, I know what you're thinking. Isn't he grey? I know, I saw that. Yeah, it, yeah, and it isn't yeah. a wig either, by the way, all that. Yeah. And you're right, self-denigration is brilliant. Do you think it's important to, uh, like, for a singer to, if they're going to do humour, do it near the beginning of the act or wait till near the end or what? Yeah, yeah. gentle humour early on. If, if you need to, I mean, during the course of the evening, fine, you stick more bits and pieces in. But do it as early as you can so they know that if you're going to do anything, it ain't going to be heavy duty. You're not going to go into a 20-minute routine before your next song, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So early as you can, gentle as you can, Knock yourself if you can as well, which is good. Where do people find material? Do they read it? Do they commission people to write it? Do they nick it? Where, where, where does it come from? Well, um, there are writers, but the, trouble, the danger with a writer can be that you're paying him a thousand quid and he may be just giving you my act. Well, how I start, I was a singer. I started off as a git voc, as they called them in the old days. And I just had uh, little topical tips stuck to the top of my guitar. And I'd look down and see a gag and tell it, and gradually people say, I tell you what, mate, you know, there's, there's an end to that. And they give you bits of material. Don't nick it. That's the worst thing, because you're only nicking it off a guy who's probably nicked it off somebody else anyway. And the whole of business is all doing the same six songs. That's true, but when you, when you say gathering material's all right, but nicking it's not all right, what's the difference? I don't know whether you're in the, the nice I did the story about Stefan Grappelli. We had him on a TV show in London, and we're going up the, the lift to the uh, canteen. Uh, at the dinner break, and the, the playing in the, the lift was the mu the music from the Sting. And this little old man said, "Ah, the Entertainer. That's my second favourite piece of music." I said, "What's your favourite?" He said, "All the others." <laughs> Isn't that lovely? <laughs> That's great. I mean, you, you so can, you hear it, and yeah, then and it, it, you can use it. Give him credit. Just say I was with Stephen Capelli. People say you're a liar. But, I mean, yeah. I tell you what was wonderful on that show, we had um, Peggy Lee as well. Oh, wow. And she had never worked with Stefan. They'd been on the same build. Yeah. And we got him to do a lullaby bird run with Busquets. Absolutely brilliant. Wow. And we had the Ted Heath band with Don Lusher and Ronnie Hughes and all the boys. What a, what a sound now. I've got it on video. Brilliant. Wow. Fantastic. Are, are there rules to telling a joke? Are there, is there a structure or telling an anecdote, a story? Is there a, a structure, a certain, you know, if someone's not used to doing it and they've heard a funny story or something funny happened to them and they're trying to tell that to an audience, yeah. is there a certain structure to the story? Yeah, the, the, the Frank Carson tip for telling gags is the quickest way to the tag. Oh, yeah. Well, one line is a different, obviously, because you've only got one line to say and there's different speeds you can do it at. But if you're doing a joke or a long story, then just get to the end as quick as you can. And he's right, because if you don't, if you start a longish story and the audience basically 60% have heard it, you've had it. You might as well stop and just say, all right, let's go on to the next one, turn over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, 
so the rule is, you know, don't tell it quickly, tell it slowly, but the shortest route to the end. Yeah, yeah. And what do you do if uh, if a joke just doesn't land, if it doesn't get a laugh and you, you do your story and it dies? Because well. that's happened to me before, and I've just... Thought of it as a singer, it's kind of easy because I just go oh, one, two, three, four, and count the next tune in. Uh, but as a comic, I've seen it happen, and it's uh, it must be hard, you know, to sort of gather your thoughts and move on to the next one quick, particularly if that doesn't land as well. Yeah, you've got to be prepared for that, and there are certain reasons why it doesn't go well. A, they've heard it before. B, they don't understand it. And C, you told it the wrong way around or back to front or too too fast. Uh, and if you get complete silence, you can say, you know, the first time I heard it, I, felt, I, just, I just went quiet myself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's not being a smart aleck, but it's, it's just having... The people have confidence. He's made a, a muck of that, but he got out of that. That's fine. He's one of, the, you know, he's one of us. Yeah. You, you, must, you mustn't wither on the vine. You've got to keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You've done a lot of TV. You did what? Touch, going on for 200 countdowns? Yeah. Do you not worry that when you've used something on the telly that you can't really use it live uh, anymore because people have heard it? Yeah, there's a point to that. Yeah, I mean, some of the big gags, like the one I did last night about um, Charlie Williams, mm. if, you did, if you did that on TV, that would wipe it out completely. Uh, but there are certain things you can do that you can do again, it doesn't matter. And on the subject of countdown, this is true, I used to do five shows a day. And in those shows, you'd have to probably do three funny things. So it's 15 things a day. And uh, I'd just done a week with, uh, with uh, Richard Whiteley, and he rang me up and he said, Barry Cryer's not well. Will you come up and do another? I said, OK. And I had 14 gags. So when are we going to get to 15? <laughs> and the bloke said to me, you're buying a new um, people carrier? I said, yeah. He said, have you seen the new Toyota Previa? I said, no. He said, they're brilliant. Have a look. So I rang up my Toyota dealer. This is true. And I said, have you got... He said, yeah, we have a new uh, Previa. I said, yes. I said, well, I'd like a dark colour, like black or grey or, or dark blue. He said, we've got just what you want, sir, Oxford blue. I'd never seen Oxford blue. So I turned up, and this kid, about 12, said to me, it's out in the yard, sir. And we're walking out, and there, it's purple. It's psychedelic purple. <laughs> and I said... That's purple. He said, no, it's not, sir. It's Oxford blue. I said, that's purple. He said, no, it's not. I said, it is. And he said, it looks purple. I said, hey, you know, if it looks purple, it's purple. <laughs> he said, no, it's Oxford blue. So I left him in the yard and I went into the showroom and I said to his boss, where's the Oxford blue Toyota? And he said, it's that purple one out there. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. It's a true story, yeah. That was your Straight gag. Show, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Things come in. And that's the other thing to be aware of, because anything that's going around... Try and get it to stick in your head. Make a note of it. You have to write something down. Not only do you not swear in your act, but I noticed there's no way that anybody could find any offence in anything mm. that you say. You avoid uh, things about, I don't know, immigration or uh, gay people or uh, whatever, t topical issues, you, you, uh, politics. You stay off any of those kind of... Everything you do is very gentle. You must have worked hard and thought about that. That's right, and I've had... Uh... I have traumas sometimes, but I get a story. I, I, I wrote some stuff uh, about a month or two ago, and I still haven't used it because I chickened out. I do a thing in the act now, you, you probably heard me when I say I've got a granddaughter who's in Paris, she's yes. learning to sulk in French. <laughs> I like that. And then I, I wanted to use it. Her brother, he's learning Urdu so he can speak to director inquiries. <laughs> and I yeah. thought, 
that's a bit, I'm not sure. It hasn't been news at all. I noticed when I worked with David Jacobs for a little while, who again, he's not a comedian, but he's, he's, a, he's a, a storyteller and a, and a broadcaster. He would sit on a stool at the side of the stage telling these stories, and he had this little book in his hand to remind him what, what was coming up next. And he would tell a, an anecdote, and after the punchline, he would sort of turn his side to, to the audience. So he would sort of basically look at the band. Yeah. And what happened was, when he would look away from the audience, they would continue laughing and they would start to clap. The gag would get a round of applause. Yeah. If he didn't do that, if he just st stayed looking straight ahead at the audience, yeah. he would get the laugh, but they wouldn't applaud. And I thought, that was does, does that make any sense to you? Yeah, it's true. You know, he, he's, uh, he gives the impression that face accompli and uh, they should clap. And once they think they should clap, they will, you know. Yeah, because I noticed that last night when I was watching you that very quickly after the first couple of lines, people were applauding after most of the, the punchlines that you did. And is that, do, are you carefully kind of doing something, manipulating them to get them to do that? Or is it just because you're really funny? They made me slow down. I don't normally, I, I don't normally get that. That was interesting, right? Yeah, exactly. I've not seen that before. Not so much applause after so many yeah, gags. Exactly. And I'm, I'm, you know, normally I bang away, but I mean last night I had to, I had to stop a couple of times. I thought, I'm going to have to do this all the way through now, because they're waiting to uh, hopefully find something to applaud. I mean, the, the reverse of that coin is I was doing a club not long ago where um, there's a lot of money as well, and uh, the musicians said uh, we'll we'll play for you. I said I don't need you boys, I'm fine, but we'll stay on anyway. I said well, there's no need to because you know I'm going to do an hour. I don't need. Yeah. He said well we might as well stay here. I said well you please yourself. <laughs> They said, well, we'll stay there. So, okay, so I, I say, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, better than a joke. And I, as I did the, the, the punchline, the drummer went, <laughs> and the organist went, <laughs> they did it about four times, and I thought, I've got to wait for every time. Now, when they didn't do it, nobody clapped. That's oh, funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I had 40, it was purgatory, absolutely. <laughs> 40 minutes. We'll stay on and help you. Thank you for listening to this Cabaret Secrets podcast. If you've got any comments or questions, please visit cabaretsecrets.com where you'll also find details of the Cabaret Secrets book, an indispensable guide on how to create your own show, travel the world, and get paid to do what you love.